Well, it's now time to go over some of the week's top headlines. I'm joined now by Paul Ainsley, uh, City Councilor for Ward 24, Scarborough Guildwood. Thanks for joining me today, Paul. Good morning, Maggie, and happy Saturday. Happy Saturday to you as well. Uh, so this week, you moved a motion to declare a homelessness emergency in this city. Uh, tell me what you hope will come of this declaration. Well, and um, I'm hoping to get rid of a lot of frustration, Maggie. Part of the the so in the city of Toronto. Um, so we were at a committee meeting. We were discussing uh, asking the provincial and federal government for more funding. We have different programs um, that we run. A lot of them we need money from the provincial, from the other two levels of government. And we always ask nicely, and it comes in dribs and drabs. Uh, and the the difficulty that we've had is. So from December to March of this year, our shelter system in Toronto, while we added 3,000 beds, which was great, mm -hmm. uh, but we turned away close to 10,000 individual people. Um, and some people are repeat users, but we still turned away 10,000 people that couldn't get a shelter bed. There was oh. no space for them. And it's becoming an issue in our subway system. I sit on the library board. Yeah. And our union made a presentation on Monday night talking about the fact that homeless people are using the branches to sleep in and our staff aren't trained to help them. Yeah, we were just so talking about this, that earlier on in the show. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, all of this combined, I'm trying to figure out, you know, how can we draw more attention to this to get the provincial and federal government to the table? And I think we've done just about everything except declared an emergency. And Hamilton... And London recently yep. did it. I hope more municipalities are going to join us because this just isn't a Toronto issue. So, Paul, what is what is the province and the feds not seeing about this problem? I mean, why why have we gotten to the point where, as you said, uh, Hamilton, London, uh, now Toronto, declaring this an emergency? Why do we have to get to this point uh, where ten thousand people are pushed, you know, are, are left outside uh, in order for them to wake up? I think part of it, Maggie, is that coming out of COVID, you know, money's tight for everybody. And the the province runs cost share programs. A lot of cost share programs that we have trouble with is they say they mandate it for us to run it. Mm -hmm. And for example, if it cost a dollar a year to run last year and they'll split it, they'll pay 60, 60 cents of the dollar. We pay 40 cents on property taxes. Right. And then they do what they call cap it. So this year, if it goes up to a dollar ten, they still only pay sixty cents of every dollar, but the municipality pays fifty cents, and they kind of slough these programs off on us. Hope that we're going to keep running them. They send us, you know, trickles of money to try and keep us happy or keep the program running, uh, but it's not something that we should be running on our property taxes. Yeah. Property taxes were never meant for homeless shelters. Yeah. And with that being said, we heard this week that Ontario is getting rid of the mandatory post-secondary requirement for police recruits and waiving the 15000 tuition for police college uh, in order to encourage more people to join the police force. Here is what the Solicitor General uh, said this week, and then I want to get your thoughts. People are afraid to walk our streets. They're afraid to take public transportation. They're afraid to go out at night. And we can't allow that to continue, and we won't. 
Repeat violent offenders cannot be released back into our communities. The status quo cannot continue. Everyone has a right to feel safe in their own community, and enough is enough. We can never take our public safety for granted. And recently, we've seen a new level of brazenness from those who wish to do harm. And when we see this behavior, we must call it out. We must act. So, Paul, I, I see these two stories as linked, right? Yep. So now, 100%. The pro- now the province is willing to pay millions of dollars uh, this will cost in order to waive this fee, uh, the, the police college uh, tuition, uh, to put more boots on the ground, to get more police officers on the streets of Toronto and, and other cities across the province. But, you know, you, you have said we need to declare a homelessness problem. Uh, we have the Solicitor General saying people are afraid to, to walk on the streets. I feel like there's a better solution here than, than turning Toronto and other cities into a police state. Hundred percent. You know, it's to me, Maggie. That's all. What he's saying, it's almost laughable. Uh, you know, first as a first point. Um, you know, I've been a city councillor for sixteen years now. I've never heard the police complain that we have to send officers. You know, once they're out of uh, the Toronto Police College, that they have to go to the colleges in Elmer, Ontario. Yeah. I, I've never heard any police complain that oh, we have to go for more education. So to me, I don't think that's the issue at hand. I think the issue at hand is, you know, the government's playing the law and order card to get away from the fact that they don't give enough money for social services in Ontario, for health services, shelters. So if you, if you can't get a bed in a shelter, you look around and say, what's the next warmest place I can go to? Well, that's the subway, public libraries, you know, I'm more often now when I walk through Union Station, I see, you know, people sleeping on benches, taking shelter in there. Mm-hmm. Then we have to pay our security to become more, uh, to learn more about how to deal with homeless people and, you know, work with them to get them out of Union Station and find a shelter bed. Well, that's not really what their job is. And that's not really what the library, TTC, and Union Station are for either. And, you know, for me, homeless, being in a home is a basic right. And we're working very hard to get people out of our shelters, but we need the other two levels of government to come to the table. And also for people to realize not to become complacent or just kind of used to, oh, yeah, there's another homeless person and you keep walking down the street and life goes on. But we also need the government not to be playing the law and order card on this. And I'm curious for your thoughts on this, Paul, waiving the post-secondary requirements. I, I have some concerns about that. I mean, you know, I've heard comments kind of in jest that, you know, having a humanities or an English uh, degree is not going to help you with policing, but it does give you critical thinking, right? Having some sort of post-secondary education gives you critical thinking. And what we don't need in the city are, you know, police officers just shuffling people to the side or not knowing how to interact with said, you know, homeless people or, you know, any sort of violent situation that might be on the streets. We need somebody who's going to think rationally and critically. And that's what post-secondary education gives you. Does this cause some concern for you in waiving post-secondary requirements? Maggie, a lot of concern. My, my wife and I, we have three children of our own. They're, our youngest one's still in high school, but you know, we said it to all of them, 
you have to go to university and, and college. Uh, we're not picky about which level, but you have to go to one of them. You need that ability to learn to think critically, to have a, a world perspective, um, you know, and to have, have our police officers not have that and the amount of people they interact with. It, you know, here we are in the largest multicultural city in North America, taking that away is going to be a huge issue. I, th I think, you know, honestly, it will just make things worse. Well, I mean, you are the counselor for Scarborough Guildwood. There are a lot of diverse groups that live in that area. Well, what is your constituency, your the people that live in your ward, saying about, you know, this talk of increased police presence? I, I don't think a lot of people are in favor of that. No, no, no. And, you know, People want to feel safe. They want to feel safe going to work. They want to feel safe going on the bus. But at the same time, the police department is our second largest budget. Uh, there's not a lot of oversight. There's a police services board. We, you know, I pay my tax dollars. I want to make sure my tax dollars are, are used to the best of their bit, like to get the best value for my money. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you've got to have that balance between all of the services that we deliver and having more police is not the answer. Yeah. Especially with the track record when it comes to just trust with, you know, minority or, or minority groups in, uh, in this city. We're discussing some of the week's top stories. So Paul, one thing I have found interesting about the discussion around the future of the Science Center and Ontario Place is that no one seems to be listening to the people that live in the area specifically of the Science Center. So here's what the Premier said at a press conference earlier this week. What we want to do is sit down with the city of Toronto. They own the land. Maybe, you know, they might come back and say, we want a new community centre. The thing is old and run down and, you know, it's just, it's a mess. If the province is saying, we're going to help you out with a new community centre, we're going to help you out with a new school because they're in desperate need of a school, I hear, by all means, let's help them out. But it's all about working together. Either keep an old building all run down or the province is coming in and saying, I'm going to build you something unbelievable, a new community centre. I think the people of that community, and I've door knocked a lot of doors in that area, would say, give me the new community center, give me a, a real great school, and maybe some other uh, areas that they need support in. We're going to be there for them. We're going to support them. So what I find interesting about that statement, Paul, is that there's a lot of assumptions. You know, you, you have Doug Ford saying, I hear that they, you know, they, they'll want a community center or they'll want a new school. Uh, there, there's, but there's not a clear, this is what I've heard from the people. And what we've seen in, in just talking to some people who live in the Flemington Park area, Thorncliffe, is that they don't, they want the, the, the Science Center to stay. Yeah. And Maggie, the, the, what the premier said, that's what we would like. We would like him to listen to the city of Toronto. I chair the, the Toronto and Region Conservation Authority, which ultimately owns the land that the, the science center is yeah. on. As a city councillor, I can say that I know the, the public school board that we work with a lot is trying to build a school just up the street from the science center. The, um, we, the city of Toronto is building a community center just up the street where I think every, it doesn't matter what neighborhood you go to, they would like a community center, a new school, 
a splash pad. I think the government really needs to work with the city of Toronto and the school board when it comes to community centers and schools and say, you know, what do you need and where do you need it? Not assuming that they don't like the science center. So we'll turn it into something else. And I've spent a lot of time in the science center going back to when I was a kid. It's huge. And it's made of concrete. It's three quarters of it's built in a, in a ravine. It's not suitable for a school or a community center. I, I was a little flabbergasted when all of this came out because the our government decided to build the Ontario line, which mm-hmm. originally was the downtown relief line from the Science Center because it was a key location to the exhibition grounds because that's where their new spa is going to be. And I'm quite happy with the Science Center exactly where it is. I wish the provincial government, instead of building us a new one, might put some money in there, update the exhibits, um, do some renovations. I think that's a lot cheaper than up and moving the whole thing onto our lakefront that I've seen polling nobody's too excited about and people in Flemington Park they depend on the science center for jobs yeah and it's also a a reason for you know many of us in uh, the the surrounding area of the city to go to that area right I mean I think there's a lot of pride that also comes with those who live in the Flemington Park area because yes it does create jobs but it's also uh, you know a, a location point for for people to go to that part of the city and you know hopefully frequent some of the businesses in the area as well then we heard exactly. uh, then we heard <laughs> this week as well that Therma this this spa that we we're expecting on the waterfront has a 95 year contract between the con- the company and the province um, and this apparently is necessary for them to be able to recoup their investment uh, of $350 million uh, in the private building and then the $100 million in the public space. How does a private company get a 95-year lease on prime land in this province? And on our waterfront. And, and on our waterfront. And, and, and it's not another... And if you use the spa, Maggie, so public land, long-term lease to a private company... And people have to use to have to pay to go to the spa. Yeah. Uh, and granted, when you went to Ontario Place, you did have to pay to go in. You paid a mission to get in the front gate, and you paid for different things. But I think people expect that of something like Ontario Place. Uh, I don't think people are going to be rushing from all over the city to go to a spa. I know that when Ontario Place was open, when I was a kid, you went to Ontario Place because it was going to be fun. You yeah. did the C and E. And you had, and then when you wanted to go cool off in the water area, you went over to Ontario Place. You go to Ontario Place for Budweiser stage and concerts. Yeah. You do not go there for a spa or a massage or whatever they do in spas. <laughs> Are you? I've not never been to a spa. You're not so frequenting I'm... the spas, Paul. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm probably not going to go from Eastern Scarborough all the way downtown. Yeah. To go to a spa. Yeah. Uh, in other news this week, we also learned that there is no date on the books when it comes to completion of the Eglinton Crosstown LRT. It has been 12 long years of gridlock, construction, headaches, 
and most of all, businesses have lost so much money. We just spoke to uh, a business owner in the area who's also the chair of the BIA, and you know she was speaking about just the loss of business that she has. Um, you know, experience as well as her neighbors as well. Why isn't there more accountability when it comes to this project? And and it's not just this project, Maggie. Metrolinx uh, has a number of projects on the go. Like they've been mandated to build, uh, like they look after our GO train service. Yeah. I have um, in my ward, going back to 2014, we had a community meeting where they were going to build three underpasses in my ward because the go trains frequency was increasing and here we are 10 years later they don't even have a shovel in the ground and push came to shove they finally said to me it's been indefinitely put on hold and i said to the guy you mean cancel and he said no just indefinitely put on hold and i was like so that's government talk for canceled and here we are the eglinton east cross town long overdue should have been open and then you know i open up the paper this week and they talk about the one station where the platform's already falling apart and it hasn't even been used so right off the bat as a city councillor i know that our infrastructure projects we were on top of our contractors all the time they have parameters that they have to meet the cement when it gets poured gets tested to make sure it's the proper quality you, you would never hear of something like that in the City of Toronto project. And the amount of money that went into the Eglinton Crosstown LRT and parts of it, like it looks ready to go to me. Yeah. I don't understand why they can't turn the switch on. And then you heard before it's even open that stations are already falling apart. Yeah. And that there are mistakes that have been made, right? Tracks are off by millimeters. It's unsafe. You know, they want to make sure that it's safe. Uh, there's, you know, speculation that trains could potentially fall off the tracks because things haven't been done properly. And then my question is, again, back to accountability. How do you get so far down in a project where, as you said, I mean, you look at it and it looks like it's done. And then to know that this has now been slowed down even more because of mistakes that have been made that now have to be corrected. That just adds to the frustration level of those who live in that area and those who are trying to make a living in that area. Yeah. When you, when you have a construction project at your front door and the government comes along and says, you know, we're closing down your street or we're taking your parking away. We're taking the, the bike lanes out in front, but it'll be back in seven years as a taxpayer, you expect seven years or five years, whatever it is, uh, LRTs take a long time to build, Um, but you expect government to be held accountable and it opens in seven years and not to read about on the front page of the paper before it even opened, it's falling apart. If, if If you ran a business and you did that, people would be fired and they need to be held accountable at Metrolinx. It's a provincial agency and much like the premier is talking about holding the police accountable and um, for the level of crime, thing, infrastructure is key to the success of any city. The province built this and people need to be held accountable. So does it make sense that the Metrolink CEO is getting paid almost a million dollars? I, I, at the top, Maggie, uh, to me, it always trickles down from the top. The, you know, If you're making 
whatever amount of money, you should be making sure the processes are in place and you have the people in place that these things aren't happening. And I think Phil, Phil Vester mm-hmm. has to ex- be more public about what's going on than just sending out a media release saying, well, we're delayed again because people want answers. Yeah. And what we've heard uh, from, you know, the business owner that we just spoke to is that they have had some communication with Metrolinx, but it's all around marketing and it's all around, you know, how they can market, how they can, you know, make the area look, uh, you know, a little bit better with a a bench or or so forth, but not really being uh, open and transparent about the delays. They only had a meeting uh, just a couple months ago and they haven't had a meeting in months uh, and they've been asking, what is taking so long? It looks like this is done. They've lived through all of the dust in the construction, and yet there is, uh, you know, no hope in sight. I mean, you know, news has said, uh, the Minister of Transportation has said that uh, now it's looking like the end of 2023, potentially next year, uh, the opening, but that doesn't give anybody any hope no. in that area. And and Maggie, when you Metrolink says to a business, you know, we're going to put a bench here and we're putting trees down the boulevard. That was all told to them at the beginning because they had to find a way to placate businesses knowing that you were going to have a, if you owned a construction project, you were going to have a a business, a construction site at your front door. We've also demanded a Metro links for different areas where they've had projects that they need to start looking at reimbursing businesses because you cannot expect a business to survive in a lot of areas on the city mm. just on walk-in traffic. And when you, even on walk-in traffic, people are sometimes are loath to walk through a construction site to get to the front door of a business to get a bag of milk or buy flowers yeah. or, you know, whatever it is that the business is selling. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Paul, for your time today. Thank you, Maggie.